What's up? Do you feel like your life's going just too good? Like, you know, you've had no problems recently. Things are fine. You're feeling well. And you could really use just a crisis of meaning. What's called an existential crisis? Today, you're in luck. We're going to talk about how to have an existential crisis. This is the Existential Story Podcast. I'm Danny, everybody. Randy, what's up, Randy? Hey, Danny. <laughs> so, a little, a little tongue in cheek there. I was yeah. like, I wasn't expecting that intro, and I'm like, yeah, right. All the time, my life's going way too great. So Definitely great. need another existential crisis. <laughs> Have you had an existential crisis recently? Oh yeah, I do. It's it's crazy time that we live in, because like yeah. all the things that had given humans meaning for so long are all gone, and now. What are we supposed to do? You know, it's funny. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. Because, like, you know, I remember in, a, what was it, Business Ethics, I think, when I was teaching that, they talk about meaningful work. There's a there's a concept of this. And, like, the basic idea is very simple. Like, if people make enough money to live on their job, that gives you self-worth and dignity. You can pay your bills. You can take care of things, you know. And there's a certain sense of meaning you get out of that. And it's, like, I think it's gotten to the point now where it's so hard for people to live. And like, we don't do the things like in the past, like, you know, if you need a table, you might build a table, you might build your house, you know, you might, you grow your own food, you go hunt animals to eat, like, everything you're doing has a purpose that's very directly tied to your survival. And like, so it feels good. It feels like you're like, yeah, I can take care of myself. I'm a self-sufficient human being. But now it's like, I think it's really hard now because so many things we can't do, they're outside of our element. And it's like, so we feel so dependent on this intermediary money to do everything and it's like we made that the principal thing rather than actually the activities the actions the things that actually you know provide sustenance and do things for us yeah that was a great point and also like the things that for so long gave us meaning like aside from just the survival were things like traditions uh things like religion these that gave community. us community for so long <laughs> community yeah these things <laughs> For so long, they gave us meaning. And all of a sudden, since, you know, I don't know, the past 50 to 70 years, they've evaporated. And so now it's very, very difficult to have any external sort of meaning. Well, it's funny. I was listening to another podcast this morning before we got on and they were talking about. Um, you How know, dare uh, you listen to other podcasts? Know, right? other other cheat, You're just supposed to listen to our old episodes over and over, and over, over again. again. Never stopping. <laughs> but uh it's interesting because it was like uh, it was two kids that knew each other, or whatever. And the one guy, the one kid lives in South Korea, and he asked the one kid asked him, like the guy in South Korea, he's like, "Are you happy?" And he was like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "You know, I live." He's like, "I live close by to all my relatives, so we see them all the time. Have a family, have a job that like I enjoy." And I was like, "You know, that's really interesting because like you look at America and like most people don't live close to their family at all. They're very separated by distance, by time, you know, whatever. And it's like the things that I think." we forgot like you know grow like a long time ago people lived kind of in tight communities they lived around relatives they lived around family they lived around you know it's like none of that we have anymore so it is very interesting see it all the time people having struggling to find new friends you know and like you hear that i hear that all the time from people especially like our age like how to meet people how to like actually interact with others it's like you can see there's like this loss of meaning i think generally you know yeah absolutely yeah it's it's definitely a struggle um and in america there's the whole like individualist ideal and there's also worshiping the altar of money and both of these things are 100 percent meaningless yeah. yeah so like 
or, or maybe they're maybe they're not meaningless because kind of the pursuit of them can give you meaning but then the mm-hmm. attainment of them really sucks because all of a <laughs> yeah. sudden individualist self-made person all this stuff and you're completely alone and yeah. can't relate to anyone or money this is the answer to everything until you have it and you realize you have no friends you have no, no family, problems everybody hates you you have yeah. a whole bunch of things that are just cost you money and time to take care of and yeah it's not great yeah well you know it's funny nietzsche identified like the the number one problem of western civilization was he thought of descent and denialism and an inability to like he was really worried that we wouldn't find a way out of it. And like, you know, nihilism and existential crises are very closely related, right? Because existential crisis is a crisis of meaning, meaning you fall into nihilism, right? You don't know what anything means. Nothing has value. Your highest, your highest goals no longer seem worthwhile or important or, you know, whatever. And we've all felt this way. I mean, if anybody's ever been depressed, that's like a pinnacle time of existential crisis, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Nothing seems worth it. It doesn't seem like it matters. You'll seem like, why would I even do that? Because there's no point in doing anything, you know, kind of feeling. And it's, you know, it's really hard. But, you know, while this episode is a tongue-in-cheek kind of title of how to have one, I think they can be actually really important. And, you know, really beneficial to us, too, if we, like, pay attention to when they happen and lean into it rather than... Because I think the I think most people... You know, and this is one of the things Nietzsche even recognized, too, is like, <clears throat> even when you have an existential crisis or like you fall in nihilism, most people's going to gut reaction is going to be to run away from it, you know, because it's such a horrible feeling. It's easier to just go back to like, OK, well, what did I used to believe? What was my old things that held things together? But once you realize that that's false or that lacks meaning, it's never going to get the same level of meaning back that it once had. So you're always going to be in this precarious position of like, kind of denying the fact that you know that it's meaningless, but like still trying to kind of buy into it, you know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, the, so I, I, I was listening to this book called Ikigai, which was like a, about the way the Japanese live very long. Yeah. And in it, it was talking about logotherapy. So Victor Frankl, man's search for meaning. And I really liked the way that it presented that in the book. Because it was talking about how like a logotherapy session starts with the question, so why don't you just kill yourself? <laughs> and it's like, it, I was reading that on an airplane and it just hit me. Like, I, w- I, I think I may have just like burst out laughing. It was so like out there <laughs> that I didn't even realize. I didn't even think about that. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, that's really interesting because it's something that we all have you know, the choice to do. Yeah. But clearly for a lot of us, there's a good reason not to. And uh, in the myth of Sisyphus and other essays, Camus starts the book off with the first essay is the question of suicide. And he says, answering the question of suicide, like whether you should or should not commit suicide, he says, amounts to answering the fundamental philosophical question, namely, why does life have value or meaning? You know, and it's an it's it is funny because it does it's like you know yeah if you had a therapist ask you that it would be like laugh out loud like how is this helping you know but at the same time if you really ask yourself that like well why don't i you know really honestly what is holding me back because even if things seem horrible is there anything there that i can grab onto that's meaningful enough 
or valuable enough to keep going? Why haven't I done it? Right? Because we all have, like you said, I mean, look, the reality is we all have the capacity. It's not that hard. I mean, we're, we're fairly fragile little fleshy creatures. So, I mean, there's lots of ways. You know, it's funny, actually, on a side note, I did hear that they said, um, uh, I was listening to a thing on euthanasia, but they were saying that, like, people, like, you know, always had this image of, like, putting the um, uh, hose in, like, the, the car exhaust and, like, sit mm-hmm. in the garage, you know? They said you can't even do that really anymore because <laughs> the emissions have gotten high enough that, like, that would really, like, probably not work. <laughs> like, your car That's has enough. Awesome. Yeah, I thought that was yeah, interesting. Emission control just shut itself off. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> nope. Sorry, you can't do it. I can see somebody trying to do that with an electric vehicle and being like, where's the tail? <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. You just get some uh, water. Oh, yeah. God. yeah. So I I I was so inspired by the little excerpt about logotherapy that I read or uh, I listened to this other book by Viktor Frankl called uh, The Will to Meaning, which kind of talks more about his his theory of logotherapy. And How do you it, think was that was that good or better than Man's Search for Meaning? Yeah, so I still don't think he I I still don't think with either book he has succinctly explained to me what logotherapy is <laughs> and how it works. Because he talks about these like three principles. There's like the will to meaning, and there's two other ones, and I don't really they're all three things that I don't exactly understand the definitions of. And yeah, so it's a it's a bit over my head. Oh. You know, I I'm think he's talking for, about like, like the simple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, it, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've read them, but uh, the will to meaning, I think, is simply just that we're meaning makers. We all want to understand our world, and it's the easiest mm-hmm. way to say it, right? So we create stories. Uh, Camus says it really nicely, where he says, you know, um, a world explained even with bad reasons is still a familiar world, and I always mm-hmm. like that because it's true, right? Like even when we hide from the reality that we're facing. Even when we have an existential crisis and our gut reaction is to turn away, we're using bad reasons to explain the world. Reasons we know that are false, but they're familiar. It makes a familiar world. It makes one we can, we understand. Because at bottom, that's the most important thing. It's like, you know, you can see that a lot of times like when people have abusive relationships, but they constantly are justifying why they're still there, right? It's mm-hmm. like we need to explain our situation to make it intelligible to us. And I think that's, yeah. Yeah. yeah one thing that I did get from that book was the concept that like, you know, you don't actually have to have a quote unquote good life to have a meaningful life. And you can, and you can also like mess up your whole entire life and still get it together and have meaning at the end. So like, those were the things, those are the things that kind of hit me. Cause like, you know, I'm like, well, what's the answer? How do I, how do I live the most meaningful? And, And it's just like, as long as you have, as long as you find something in whatever it is you're doing, whether it be the struggle that you're in right now, overcoming these challenges that you have to come dealing with people you can't stand, or just like, you know, whatever it may be, as long as you're able to make yourself the hero in your own story, say that this is actually meaningful, then that's it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting because, like, I think that's an important point. You can separate meaning and the good life, you know, like you can still have a very meaningful life no matter what. And I like that idea because that's important because, like, look, if we look back on, you know, look at like uh, Martin Luther King, right? Martin Luther King had, had very high ideals that he was working towards. It was a struggle, though. I mean, I don't think anybody would look at his, you know, the civil rights movement and say that was a good life. 
but it was a meaningful life, you know? And I think there is that, that sort of distinction to make where like, you know, I see that all the time. When I look back at like um, philosophers that I really admire, like a lot of them you would say wouldn't have a good, they didn't have a good life by a standard that we normally think of good life, but they had a very meaningful life mm-hmm. and a life that had a lot of meaning for them. And I, that seems to be for a lot more important, I think, than even the quality of our lives is how meaningful it is. Because we can deal with a lot of suffering if we think there's a reason for it. It's when we don't think that there's a reason for it, that's where it's really hard to deal with. And I think that's where the existential crisis comes in because it's a crisis of meaning. So you feel mm-hmm. like you're suffering and you also don't know why and don't have an explanation for it. And, you know, that's, that's where it gets really hard. Yeah. Another thing that I thought was really interesting from the book was he was saying that like a lot of times when we feel meaningless or hopeless about our life, especially we look to the future. We're like, I'm going to die. It's going to amount to nothing. And that's just it. And there's nothing I can do to change that. And and he would talk with his patients and he would be like, well, think back to your past because you can't. The past is done, but it's part of the history of the entire universe and you can't change it. And like think back to your past to like maybe times when you've made someone smile or maybe you made life easier for someone. Can anyone take that from you? Can anyone take that from the universe? And the answer is no. But it's like that. And and just like the idea of that kind of gives meaning. And I was doing that in my own life, thinking back to like times with people that, you know, it just warmed my heart that they to improve their day. And I was just like, huh, you know, I feel better. This is good. Well, I think this is one of the problems, though, right? Because like we said, you know, we focus on individualism. Um, you know, so especially in the U.S., people feel kind of alone. They have a hard time making friends. And like the reality is like if you've ever had like any good friends in your life, for example, right, or loved ones, like that's an easy way to find meaning. Looking back on those experiences, like you said. Yeah, or a pet that you love, right? Anything. Yeah, Anything like a, that a that dog connection. that was just happy that to see you and that you fed them and like, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's a great feeling, you know. It's funny. I always like the uh, I always like the existentialists because a lot of them believe like, you know, this is it have this time on this earth and that's it and i always like that because that can be scary right that when you die there's nothing else but it also i think gives more value to now like even if it's hard even if it's difficult you still exist that's still interesting it's still unique it's still this one time so make it into something that's meaningful for you right and i i like that idea too because it also reminds us that like even if you know i quote unquote you know, I don't think you can, but even if I wasted the first 40 years of my life, for instance, like I still have time. As long as you still have future, even if it's a day, you can still find meaning. You can still change things and that can justify the whole entire past. You know, and I think that's also important because like at least then, you know, yeah, I might have had a difficult past. I might have had a difficult 20 years, but now I've gotten to here. And so maybe that was all necessary to get there because it was for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've had existential crises. I know that you've had existential crises. Yes. And I'm pretty sure it's part of the human condition. Yes. Uh, you know, for me, I can remember that it would just be like, it was a prolonged period of time. So it was something days to weeks, maybe even months. I don't know. But, and it was, you know, just feeling uncomfortable not good, just feeling not good. And then also like a lot of confusion about like, what am I doing with my life? Am I doing the right thing? Uh, it, it was a very, I would say it's a very low confidence time or low yeah. self-confidence time. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I like that. Is that kind of what it was like for you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right, though. I think they are kind of a slow burn at first because, like, it's like usually, like, I think for me, usually it's like it's like that realization of loss of meaning. But it's a slow burn because it's like things start. It's like a house of cards that starts falling down real slowly, you know, until you get to like the really the real crisis, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, like it's often with depression, right? Um, like you said, like alienation, feeling like like kind of disillusioned, maybe like not feeling a part of things, feeling very alone, you know, feeling very mm-hmm. distant. You know, it often comes with like things that you normally did, like traditions, practices, uh, you know, um, beliefs they all start to lose value and like you know disinterestedness is a really big one right like not feeling like anything is interesting enough to even bother doing you know it's very closely associated with like depression too because it's the same thing and feeling like you know like i know for me like you said like that loss of self-confidence feeling like no matter what i do it won't matter that it Mm -hmm. won't change the Mm -hmm. fact that there's no meaning right Mm -hmm. and that's the really big struggle and so trying to find that meaning again is really hard trying to reassert it and i think they can be really good times to reassess like what's important in our lives. Cause I think for me, like the last time, the last really big one I had was when I was really depressed, like, uh, like five, six years ago, I guess. And like, but it was also a critical point because it was a shift in my life where like, I realized things were wrong with what I was doing career wise. That was a big part of my unhappiness and my loss of value. Like I didn't feel like there was anything there anymore that was like meaningful enough for me to stay facing the fact that I had to make a big change dealing with other things in my life. Like, it can be really good if you face them. I think it can be a great way to start doing things in the right way where now your life will have meaning and be more valuable. And you can look to that past as yes, being difficult, but just a stepping stone to get to where I am now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because for for me, it was the same thing. It was a big turning point and it was because I was doing the wrong stuff. Like I can look back now. I can look yeah. back now with 100% <laughs> yeah. clarity. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I was doing the wrong stuff, going the wrong direction. And, for you the know, wrong I was reasons, making, right? That's the other yeah, thing. The, uh, yeah. And I was making great time. Like, I was, I was doing it really <laughs> fast. But, like, I was going in the wrong direction for me. Not the wrong direction for everybody else. And this is the crazy part. Because for society, it was awesome. For my parents, it was awesome. For, like... You know, all this other stuff, it was awesome. But for me, it was completely wrong. And yeah, I was going to say you hit on something really important there, too, which is like. This is where people struggle a lot, too. It's not that you're doing anything necessarily wrong either to have an existential crisis. Like you were saying from an outside perspective, it looked like you were doing everything right. And I can verify that because I was there, you know, Mm -hmm. you looked like you were doing everything right. And that's what people often struggle with is like it's because it's not aligning with your values. So, yes, you're doing everything right for some other person's conception of a good life, (laughs) but it's not your own. And so it's failing miserably to satisfy those deep existential need we have for meaning in our lives. And so it just wasn't giving your life meaning. And it took realizing that for you to actually change and start doing things that were for you rather than for others. And I think that's a big reason why people have them is, you know, all these external pressures, family expectations, all that often dictates our choices more than like what really matters to us. And that is like a surefire way to have an existential crisis. And I went through the same thing, you know, on paper, things looked okay, but it's like, you know, in real life, it wasn't working for me. And it can, and it can feel like such a trap because you're like, there's no way that I can keep all these other people happy 
and follow my own inner voice. Like it's just yeah. not compatible. And and mm. and it's almost like at that time the concept is if I disappoint this other these other people, that's the end of the world. So yeah. I have to just not listen to myself or kill myself. And it's just like those are not the only options out there. Never. Yeah. They never are, you know? And like yeah. but you're right too. I think it's like, you know, it's that feeling too of like, you know, like that feeling of dread, like I also spent all this time preparing to do this, to live this life that everybody told me was going to be good. And it's like the the you get this like imagination in your head, like you have to do all this time over again to do something new. And so it's therefore impossible when that's not true either, because you have all those skills you develop, you have all the bad, you know, you still have a lot of stuff that you gain from it. And I think like, at least for me, like, I don't know about you, but like, now I can look back on those times in my life and I see them still as valuable. Like I learned a lot. There's a lot of things I can leverage now for things that I'm doing. So like, it's not like it was worthless, you know, it just, I was on the wrong track and I need to course correct. That's all it really was. But like, it felt so overwhelming. And I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. You feel trapped is a good way to express it. Yeah. And so there's like, but you know, okay. So we were, we were going to talk about the value found in having an existential crisis. And I actually think that it is really helpful to endure through it and i think that's the only way to describe it like you literally just have to endure through it because eventually it'll correct itself changes will happen but it's it's painful it's difficult it's really hard to be patient and you just have to endure but like going through it i think is probably one of the best life experiences you can have because then when other people are going through it you can sit there and you can listen to them. Like I had this happen with a friend not too long ago who was going through a very difficult existential crisis and they felt like their back was up against the wall because they either have to disappoint everybody important to them or they have to do, you know, what like they, they have to not listen to themselves. And the thought of killing themselves was, you know, it seemed like the easier option than disappointing yeah. everybody else or changing yeah yeah and that's the problem too is it does seem easier because we look at it like all these emotional conversations we're going to have to have the disappointment the guilt all that weighs on us so much when in reality like most of those people will probably be happier when we're happy than they were that things look good on paper or look good from their perspective right but we mm -hmm. convince ourselves that it, this guilt's going to be so heavy and then you know and i think you're right you have to sit with it unfortunately like you have to sometimes like and I think this is the problem. Like most people run away from it and then they stay in that grind. They stay doing that. And then guess what? 10 years later, they're going to have another one and they're going to be more, even more unhappy. You know, 15 years later, maybe they do commit suicide. You never know. Right. And like, I think facing it though, gives you that opportunity to really make changes that are going to make your life so much better. I think there is so much value in it if we face it rather than running away from it, even though it mm -hmm. sucks. Like, I mean, it took me, it took me literally like a couple years to really get through it fully and i mean but it was so worth it because i do feel so much better now than i've ever felt in like you know decades so like i mean that says something but you have to get through it it's really hard you know and i think that's the difficult part too yeah that's a lot of self-overcoming <laughs> yeah yeah i think the dr seuss quote nails it where he says uh be who you are and feel how you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. And yeah. it ma it makes a lot of sense because like we get stuck in these situations where we think we have to be somebody other than 
who we truly are inside. Mm -hmm. We have to feel somehow other than how we truly feel inside because we care too much about people who don't matter. But like, you know yeah. Okay. Oh, I was going to no, say, but I, I was going to say it was yeah, just it's it's great to have. Yeah, I know, right? It's <laughs> great to have good friends that uh, that you can be honest with, and they support you for being you. Like that's that's a huge uh, a huge thing because then you can see that like actually being yourself is important, and those who matter don't mind. It's only yeah, the people don't. who don't matter who mind. Yeah, the people who keep pressuring you, they don't matter. Like, mm -hmm. they're the ones that don't matter at all. The ones that matter are the ones who are going to be there for you and accept the fact that that's who you are and it's no problem. And, the, you know, the people that really do know you probably would have already seen this, too. I was going to give an example I thought of that I probably, you might have gone through this, too. And I think a lot of you might be able to relate. Like, I remember, like, in past relationships, for instance, right? Like, I would get to a point where I knew the relationship's not good anymore. It's not working for me. But you, you don't break up, not because of, how you feel about it but because you're afraid of what other people will think that the world will be different afterwards that like you, you know for years you've been your life has been with this person and now you're not gonna be with this person so what's it gonna look like you know like these things that shouldn't actually factor in start weighing in more than actually your happiness your quality of life who you really are and that's when you're having a social crisis because you feel mm -hmm. totally alienated outside you know, did you ever have that happen like oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. You're more concerned about people's opinions of you than actually. Yeah. Or even own. like, and you're afraid of the world being different, right? Like, because it's like, you know, it's like when you, you make that, like all these examples, you break up with somebody and now you're in the world by yourself. You're not with that person anymore. And so even if it wasn't well, it was familiar and it scares mm -hmm. us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, we're so it's weird. Like, it's like sitting in a shitty diaper. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting in shit, but at least it's mine. <laughs> yeah, right? At least it's my shit. I can deal with yeah. it. It is funny, yeah. dude. We do so much to like, we do so much that's contrary to our own well being. And even, like you said, like who we really are. And it's so sad, but we do it all the time because we're so worried about it. It's like we're constantly fighting that urge to be part of something. While also wanting to be ourselves. And I think that's mm -hmm. like, you know, a fundamental problem with it. It's a really tricky time that we live in. And, yeah. and you know, we're so distracted. Like, there are so many things vying for our attention. So we can't actually, like, reset ourselves. And then we're constantly marketed to. Like, constantly. Yeah. All this stuff that's not good for us, but will make somebody money, is just shoved down our throat nonstop. And it's it's difficult. Like I, I just I, ha you know, it's good to have these references in life because I've met, I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet some people who are like the stereotypical successes who've done yeah. very well financially or have gotten some celebrity or whatever it is, and inevitably they're miserable, like on the verge of suicide, and it's just it's mind blowing because like. You think from from everything you see on social media all over, it's like, this is how you have success in life. This is how you're happy all the time. This is how you win the game of life. And yeah. it's so far from the actual truth. But nobody nobody will admit to it. Well, you know, it's funny. It's like because that's the, the belief we all have internalized, right? That if I just work really hard, if I make a lot of money, everything will be solved. I'll be the best. I'll have power. I'll have prestige. I'll have fame. 
but you still have yourself, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and that's the truth. And like, that's not going to solve, but we all, that's why we all keep looking to those examples too, because we all think that's what solves all the problems. And it's a lie. It doesn't, it doesn't solve anything, you know? And it's like, yeah, it can be good to have more money for sure. Totally. It can be super helpful, but you still have yourself and you still have to live your own life. And I think this is a difficult thing. And like, you know, the other thing we fear with it, I was going to say real quick, like with existential crises, I think is that it is that feeling of being alone. Like when you start making those choices for yourself, like you're on your own. You don't, you can't blame others because they told you to do it. You can't, you know, lean on your community and say, well, they all think that way. So I think that way, you know, you're on your own with your own reasons. And that's a scary position to be in too, but it's so much better. (laughs) Like it's infinitely better than the alternative. Yeah. And like another, so like, I feel like, I mean, I'm sure I'm more caught by this trapping than others, but like, just like the trapping of money and success. And I keep reminding myself, because I I remember I told you I was reading that book on Alaska and it was cool. It had a whole section on like the gold rush because there was a gold rush in California, but then up in like the Yukon and Alaska, there was a big gold rush too. And like, I'll be walking around and I'll be like, every single person who struck it rich in that gold rush is dead. Their life's over. They're done. Yeah. Like no matter how incredible that was for their life, whether for just a moment or for years, it's still over and done. And it's just like, so it clearly can't matter that much. No. Well, that's the funny thing. You can't take gold with you after you die. You can't take stuff with you after you die. And it's like, it's kind of funny. Cause it's like, I get, look, I, I get it. You have, if you have kids, I get wanting to leave, you know, that, that impulse to want to make enough so that you can leave stuff for them to make their life easier. That makes total sense. But like, if you're just earning money just for the sake of earning money to say you have more money, it's like, what is it doing for you? Like, do we ever stop and ask ourselves that? Like, well, what is this doing for me? Why is this valuable? Why is it meaningful? Is it just because I want more money or is it because I actually care about what I'm doing? It's important. I find meaning in it. I think that's a big question people don't ask ourselves because we're told a story about success equals wealth and nothing else. Rather than remembering that we're whole people, you know, we have friends, we have families, we have hobbies, we have joys, we have things we like, dislike, all this. And like, in order to have a good life, you have to kind of get the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I guess when it comes down to it, existential crisis, if you don't have one, I would say you're probably pretty lucky. Yeah. Or you should have one. Yeah. Or, or it's right it. around the corner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? It's right around yeah. the corner. Yeah. But I think if you do have But the cool have... thing is... Okay, yeah. No, no. I was going to say, if you do have one, mm-hmm. lean into it and remind yourself that, like, this is an opportunity to not... Don't be afraid of, like, the change. Look at it as an opportunity to recreate yourself. I think that's a great way to look at it. Look at an opportunity to get things right and to justify the rest of your history because now you're living in the way that's right for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of these things that you just have to endure through. But I, I look at these like waves because like if you look back at your life, you've had high periods and low periods. And it's almost inevitably where it feels the absolute best or the absolute worst right before it changes. And I know that's cliche that like it's darkest before dawn and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, 
from from looking back at my life at least i know the times when i thought i was not going to make it period i was just like okay well i'm just gonna get through today and then eventually i was through it yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know, a good thing about existential crisis i will say is like i noticed like especially like the last one that i went through like I st- I totally stopped caring about all these little things that I used to bother me or used to care about. I just realized they don't matter at all to me. Mm. So who cares? And I think that's such a relieving thing to realize, <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it's a great way to get clear about what really matters to you. And when you do, life gets so much better, not because it's easier, mm-hmm. but just because it gets better because it's now your life. It's not mm-hmm. somebody else's. You're not trying to live somebody else's model of what a person is all of that you're living your own thing i think there's nothing better than that and that gives life meaning in and of itself bingo there you have it all right Mm -hmm. so how to have an existential crisis and also why they're valuable and important (laughs) this is the existential dog podcast check us out on youtube or wherever you get your podcast like share subscribe please leave a review it helps us out a lot we'll be back later this week with a quick fix until then though later andy later danny